Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. It's a great day, right? It's a great day in the house of God. Man, I, I'm excited. That's my... Uh, if, if you're new here, you're probably going to hear the word excited at least 10 more times out of my mouth in the next five minutes. I, I, I can't help but get excited. I can't help but worship Jesus. It's a great day. It's a great day. We're doing things a little different today, though. If, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're new here, you're like, well, how is this different? Well, Nathan's up here with me today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to tackle the last two verses of James together. And it, um, we are wrapping up this series called... Wrapping up How To. Yeah, guys, it's, it's been an outstanding series. I mean, we've literally stepped through the book of James and learned all the how-tos in it. And I mean, we probably even missed a few along the way, even though we covered about every verse, I believe. Yeah, we, we're we on the last two. <laughs> we're on the last two. And the good news is... Um, the good news is there, there, there's this rule of thumb when teaching that you shift, like every so often you shift so you can keep people's attention. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to do some shifting, and hopefully that um, we keep your attention. If you ever talk to either of us... We like to talk. (laughs) We like to talk. So it's going to be a great day, though, guys, and I'm I'm excited. Oh, dude, it's going to be awesome, man. And if you get tired of hearing me, just know it's not the whole time, so Ryan gets to talk next. (laughs) Guys, uh, we're going to jump right into it. this is, this is the last two verses of, of James. We're really, really excited, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, there's so much in these two verses we could really go through. Uh, we're going nar- to narrow it down to today, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, and if you want to know how my reading goes, if I cut out or do something weird in the middle, it's because I'm a Tennessee football fan, and we can't carry a second half. Um, <laughs> it's true. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, starting on verse 19, it's James 5, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Today, what we're really going to talk about is, if you look at it, Jesus is seeking people out here. He's saving you from utter death, and he's forgiving you of your sins. Simply, it's the last verse right there. We're really going to dive into the last how-to that we've set on this week, and it's how to seek out. And Ryan's actually about to step back forward for a second. Are you not getting rid of me this quick? It's just really, really step in, interjection. He's going to give a really practical um, example, a biblical example of how Jesus seeks us out, even when we don't even think anybody's out there looking for us. Yeah. James, he tells us this how-to, and he doesn't exactly say seek out in, in those two verses. But if you, if you take and look, can, can you throw James back up real quick? It, it says, if someone among you wanders away, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering. So if someone's wandering, how do you find something that's wandering? You seek it. So we, 
that's why we're focusing on how to seek out. Because as the church of the living God, we have a responsibility to seek out. And as we are praying about this and, and really hashing this out, there is one scripture that came to mind. It was Luke 19, 10. And it's Jesus saying about himself, the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. So if you look at what James is saying, he's, he's com- commanding compelling and he's encouraging the church to seek out wondering people that are far from God or people who have walked away from God and then Jesus gives us this very practical example in Luke chapter 19 and it's the story that we've heard before and I'm going to I'm going to have it up there but I'm going to paraphrase it it's in Luke 19 and it's verses 1 through 10 but it's a story of Zacchaeus now, everyone probably wants to sing the VeggieTales song. I'm not going to sing for you. Um, you don't want me to do that. Your children would cry. Um, but Jesus is entering a town named Jericho. And there is a man named Zacchaeus that lived in that town. He was a chief tax collector for the region. And so he heard that Jesus was coming along. And he wanted to see Jesus. At this point, Jesus had done some stuff. He's fed the multitudes. He's raised the dead. He's heard of Jesus. And this prominent man in the region, the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, wanted to see Jesus. But he had an issue. He was vertically challenged. He could not see Jesus over the crowd. And have you ever noticed there's a rule about vertically challenged people? So if you are tall, such as myself or Nathan... You can never offer to a short person to help them with something. You can't do it. It's against the rules. But if a short person asks you to get something for them, as a tall person, you are obligated to get it for them. I don't don't understand the rules, but I can't hardly go into Walmart without being asked to get something off the top shelf. Does that happen to you? I mean, once or twice, maybe. Once or twice. (laughs) I'm telling you, everyone's like, can you hand me that? I'm like, I'm not wearing blue. You know, like, yes, I can. I, I, I'm not that mean. I'm not that rude. But I, I, I don't know. It's just like this rule. But he had this issue. He was short. And that's not, if you're short, that's not an issue. God's blessed you that way. Um, hiding seeks a lot easier. <laughs> what? If you're short, hiding seeks a whole lot easier. Because, I mean, I can't try fitting anyway. this into somewhere is tight. I mean, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no. And he, uh, Zacchaeus went, ran ahead of the crowd because he couldn't see over the crowd. He climbed a sycamore tree, okay, to, just to see Jesus. He wanted to see what all the hoop and holler was about. And it says that Jesus, as he walked by, he wasn't, he wasn't intentionally walking by the tree just to be um, to, to, to be by Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus like, I think he's going down this road. I'm going to run down this road. I'm going to get up in this tree ahead of the crowd and so I can see Jesus as he passed by. And the crowd might not have even known Zacchaeus was there because most people, when they walk, they either walk with their eyes level or down. So Zacchaeus is up here. But the cool thing about this is Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Even though Zacchaeus was hiding in a tree, Jesus saw him. And it says that Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus. He looked up. Everyone say, look. Look, that's very important. He looked up at Zacchaeus, and he said, everyone say, said. That's very important. 
So he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I, um, we're going to go to a party at your house. You're paying for it. And you're going to host it. And I'm inviting all my friends, all 12 of us. You're paying. And that's what Jesus did. And Zacchaeus quickly came down. And, and he was excited. And, and it says, um, in great excitement and joy. Because when you have an encounter with God, when God seeks you out, man, that's what's happening today. What just happened, the Lord stepped into this service and spoke life into someone. That's something to be excited about and have joy in. And, and it says that he had excitement and joy. And in verse 7, but the people were displeased. Let me tell you this. This is not my notes. Now I'm adding this real quick. I'm sorry. But whenever you get close to Jesus, there's always going to be people in your life displeased. Who cares? It says they grumbled. Um, they grumbled that Jesus was hanging out with a notorious sinner, but they didn't get it yet. Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. He came for the sinner. These Zacchaeus hit the, the like he checked every box for the people that Jesus came to save. So if you say like I'm, I'm too far, God came for you. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. While everyone else was grumbling about Jesus interjecting in Zacchaeus' life, Zacchaeus is standing up before the Lord and saying, Man, I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor, and if I cheated anyone on their taxes, I'm going to give them four times as much. I can promise you this, the IRS is not going to make that vow. But Zacchaeus did because he encountered Jesus. Maybe if the, maybe this is why our government needs Jesus. We need to pray for our leaders because... When, okay, I'm not going to get into it. I will give half my wealth to the poor, and the Lord, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four, four times as much. And Jesus said, truly, salvation has entered this house today. For Zacchaeus has proved to be a true son of Abraham. And what he was saying is, he repented. He truly repented. Repentance is more than just a statement. It's more than just say, God, forgive me. Repentance is a new direction. And he re repented. There is action with repentance. And then we say, then Jesus says that famous line, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And we can't tell you how to seek out. We can't give you that thought without giving you three very practical Steps, three practical strategies for how to seek out. I'm telling you, the cool thing about these strategies, Nathan, that we can implement them today. If you're wondering, how do I seek out? Because you said the main thought is how to seek out. We're going to give you, th this is not an all-inclusive list. There's a there's hundred ways. We're going to give you three ways. And actually, number two is actually two for one. It's, it's a double whammy, guys. It's, it's a double whammy, but it's a, it's just practical. If, if you're wondering how to seek out, this is something you can implement today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start off with the first one. I mean, and I think this first one is, it's understand no one is a lost cause. I mean, for 2020, there's a lot of us in here that probably have felt like a lost cause at some point in time. Our jobs didn't work out the way they wanted to do. We got laid off for months on a, at, at a time. We're having to wear these masks everywhere we go or in places when they ask us to. Our jobs have become more difficult because they're adding more and more stuff to us every day because they're trying to do, do what they can to stay open. And it's just 
a, it just seems like it's such a dark and like kind of unforgiving year, but in reality, it's teaching us to look even deeper. It's teaching us to dig a little further. It's, um, as much as we at points feel like lost cause, there are people around us that we're in the same boat with that feel like they're a lost cause as well. And just like, like right here, Zacchaeus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm not going to recap the whole thing because you don't need another recap, but it just put this, let me just challenge you with this. I don't believe Zacchaeus was the only one looking for something here. Zacchaeus just climbed a tree to see, the, to see somebody that he, you know, is popular. I mean, he's, somebody famous coming by, you, a lot of us are going to go, are go downtown. Somebody's famous is downtown. It's just see if we get a glimpse of them. It's kind of cool, right? Jesus is kind of famous at the time. He's just going to climb a tree, see a glimpse of it, go home, go back to his business. No big deal. Jesus was actually seeking him out, and he didn't know it. But, I mean, the crazy thing is, he just thought that, you know, after a quick glance at him, nobody's going to know the difference. Maybe they won't kill me while I'm here because they pretty much hate my guts. Um, but he really discovered that in a crowd of people that really couldn't stand him, that there was one man there that was there for the sole purpose of saving him and saving him from a path of destruction. Many of us kind of believe it was just happenstance that uh, Jesus happened to be in the same town as Zacchaeus because all these towns had chief tax collectors. It wasn't just like he, it was a, a job that one man did for everything. But rather, Jesus actually came to that town to seek him out. In a town that, uh, you know what, he had no hope of being found. I mean, he, was, he was swept under the rug. People avoided him. They didn't like him. Yeah, I mean, he, in this culture, you know, if you don't know, I'm going to give you a little, bit of, a little bit on that. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. The Bible in spots literally lists out the gluttons, the sinners, and the tax collectors. They are bad to them. They hated them. It was like we look at sin and we see all these different categories. I know God kind of looks at it from a top-down view and, a, and, sin, and sees sin as sin. But we, they looked at him and was like, that's a big one, guys. So they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he was much worse to them than their average everyday sinner. They'd much rather had a murderer than have Zacchaeus in the same room as them. And that's, that's crazy to think, right? It really is. I mean, but the thing was, he was a traitor to the Jewish people. He was working for the bad guys. He was working for the Romans. He was taking their money, and then he was taking more on top of that to make himself wealthy. Um, he was a complete sellout. I mean, it really is what, what it is. I mean, call, we call a spade a spade. He was a sellout to the, to the Jews, and they viewed him as that, and they wanted to avoid him. They cast him to the side. They, um, but how often when we cast things to the side, kind of, do we, uh, do we do that? Do we see people and like, we've, we've tried, we've helped them so often. We've worked for them. We've worked against them. We've done everything we could to force the path change and they just haven't done it. They haven't stepped out and, and, and made it happen. We often in reference to a group of people, a person, or even ourselves, we're lost. There's no hope. Why are we wasting our time? We're just going to go over here and this person, at least I can help them. I can't help them anymore. But, and it don't take us real long to figure it out, right? I mean, you get on Facebook, you get on the news, you, walk, you just walk around long enough. You're going to hear somebody say eventually, they're lost. There's no hope. No hope. We, come, we get numb to it, and we find ourselves in the same boat looking at the same people that we have deemed hopeless and lost. 
but the great thing is, like that last verse, Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. I mean, we, gotta, we have to really break outside of what society tells us and realize that um, no one is truly a lost cause. If God loved us so much that, that he sent his only son for us to save us and to die for our sins, what can we do to, to run away from him? We can't even hide. We might get physically lost in the woods somewhere, but we're not going to get lost so, so far lost that God is not unwilling to save us. To be honest, society has programmed us that people can be lost and that it's okay, there's no hope for them, but we can do this over here. We've got to get rid of that. We've got to break out of that societal programming and understand it. There's, nobody's lost. Even if you don't like them, even if they don't look like you, they don't smell like you, they don't think the same way as you, they're not lost. God loves them. He died for their, he died for their sins just like he died for my sins and your sins. To be honest, we're commanded to go out and make disciples in God's name, to spread the word. The Bible even tells us that uh, Jesus isn't returning until all peoples have heard the word of God. People can't hear the word of God unless we go seek them and give it to them. To be honest, to me, I find it extremely awesome. I just find it, it's awesome to me that God loved me so much that he placed an inherent value on my life and he placed an inherent value on your life that he didn't just write us off. I know I've made more mistakes in my life in 27 years than anybody should have. I could easily have been written off. They could have cast, I could have been cast to the side and I wouldn't have blamed somebody. I wouldn't have blamed God for going, you know what, he went too far. He didn't do that. He loved me and I'm here right now. To be honest, he does that for all of us. God is awesome. I mean, it's okay to say that. God's awesome. We don't even have to use eloquent words. God is good. God loves you just like he loves me, and he loves that person down the street that's shooting up right now. He loves all of us so much, he died. He sent his son to die for our sins. That way we don't have to suffer the, the fate that we actually deserve. So, if God could send his son to earth, and his son could go to a town that has this guy named Zacchaeus, that really doesn't even, he's just get, trying to get that glimpse again, to look for him, to save him, he can do the same for us. He can do the same for any one of us, any day of the week. But, we can help. We have to take off our societal lenses Say, you know what, I can't help this person anymore. They're too far gone. They've done too much for, to me. They've offended me too much. And look through the eyes of Jesus. We've had practical steps through this entire book of James. And if you haven't been here for, for the book of James, honestly, I, I would challenge you to go back and maybe watch the sermon series. Read it because you'll find things that we missed too. There's a lot in there. It's a really practical how-to book. Our jobs are to go out and make disciples of the world so that all people can hear the name of God because no one is truly lost. And the really, the, the, even the funny part to this is, is 
we don't have to do the hard part here. The hard, we don't have to actually save the people. We're not saving them. We, all we have to do is just open our mouths and say, hey, man, what's going on? Talk to them. Make the, making the introduction is the most important thing we can do. It's not our job to change their hearts. But, I mean, I don't know. What about you? It's awesome to me that God loved us and loved me to the, to the point that he sent his son for me. Yeah. When, when we understand that no one is a lost cause, that God cares so much for them, it changes the way we look at people. And that's really, thank you, Nathan, the first how to seek out is understanding that because it will affect the next two. And the next how to is look for opportunities and start a conversation. Look for opportunities and start a conversation. Jesus, he understood that Zacchaeus wasn't a lost cause, even though society said that Zacchaeus was a lost cause. Jesus understood that, and then it says he looked up at him when no one else was looking for Zacchaeus. Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. He looked up at him. He saw opportunity there. This guy was clearly either stalker qualified level, or he was looking for something. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, and then Jesus was looking for opportunities, and he started a conversation. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. And I think that we underestimate the power of looking for opportunities. We, we go about our life, and we say, oh, God will give me the opportunity. He does, but they're not convenient, okay? We think that the stars are going to align, that the heavens are going to open when it comes to sharing our faith, that our neighbor is going to come knock on our door and say, can you tell me about Jesus? That might happen. It could happen. I'm not going to put say it won't. I'm just saying from my experience, the stars don't align. The heavens don't open. I have to intentionally look for opportunities. I have to seek them out. Jesus had to seek them out. If the Son of God came on earth and had to look for opportunities, then we have to look for opportunities. This is not something that a one-time thing in Jesus' life. He did it with the invalid man by the pool of Bethesda. He walked up to him and he said, do you want to be healed? He looked and he started a conversation. The bl blind men, the, uh, the dead men, I mean, like, he looked for opportunities. He started conversations. We, 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 we're sometimes really guilty about seeing opportunities and never opening our mouth to start the conversation. Like, oh, man, that stinks. Well, let's go pay for this. Um, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. We'll see you later. Um, let's just start a conversation. See where it goes. Jesus started a conversation, and he did what society thought would be weird. Hey, I'm going to your house. That's still weird today. I mean, think about it. That's like Jesus never did anything that was normal to society. He would, like he jumped in Peter's boat and said, I need to use this. Like if you don't think that's weird, go jump in someone else's car right after service and say, hey, I need to use this. It's weird. 
But Jesus did weird things because he didn't care about what society said because he understood his calling. When you understand that no one's a lost cause, when you, under, when, when you are called of God, when you understand what God has done in you and, th- and what he wants to do through you, you don't necessarily care about what society says is normal. You'll end up praying for people in, in, in Kroger. You'll end, up pray- you'll end up calling your neighbor late at night like, man, God just laid you on my heart or that family member. You'll just do things that do- doesn't seem right, but it's faith. There's, there's, never a, there's never a perfect opportunity to share your, there's never a perfect opportunity to share your faith in Jesus. There's not. But when you understand every opportunity is a perfect opportunity, then, man, I know that's a contradiction, but it makes sense in my head, so hopefully it made sense to you. There's ne- if you're looking for a perfect opportunity, it won't happen. But if you look for opportunities, you'll see the perfect opportunity, if that makes sense. I, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one example. Bear with me. I used to be a student pastor, so it's that type of story, okay? I was, I've been a student pastor longer. I'm a, uh, a lead pastor, so you guys are still filtering out that student example. But there was one time at my last church. It was literally right before we we came here to be a lead pastor. Um, We had two services. I was in the restroom between two services. And um, I want to tell you, women, you don't understand this, but there is a man code in restrooms, okay? Number one, you don't use a urinal next to another man. Like that. Number two, you don't talk. To people, unless you really know them and you're alone in the, the bathroom with them, in the bathroom. You just don't talk. It's just, you walk into a men's restroom. Don't do this, ladies, but it's just quiet. Um, it's just quiet. It's just like women, you're like, oh, my gosh, we don't do that. We, like, go to, to the bathroom in, like, groups, and we just have a whole conversation. That's not men. Men, we're like, no, you can wait. You know, like, and, and if you walk in and there's a guy in the middle urinal, you just wait. Even if there's two urinals free, you just wait. Mike, I'll just, it's good. Well, that, that's just the rules. Like, every man knows this. You don't have to teach him. I'm standing there, and all I hear right next to me is, you're one of the pastors here. And I look over, and there's a face looking straight at me. And I'm like, nope, never heard of him. Like, like, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. Like, he's breaking every rule that's, like, innate within, like, a male DNA. So I'm like, yes, I am. And so I back away and I wash my hands. And he does the same. And he says, man, I just should have responded to the altar call. And I didn't. And I'm like, there's never a perfect opportunity. If you look for a perfect, but if you look for opportunities, there is. And I, and, and I found myself saying, well, it's not too late. Let's pray right now. Hands are still wet from washing my hands, from washing my hands. But I took and I led a gentleman in the men's restroom of Bethel Assembly in Sedalia, Missouri, to Jesus. Because there's never a perfect opportunity, but when you look for opportunities, every opportunity is perfect. And all you have to do is look for opportunities and start a conversation. Did I start that conversation? No, because I understand man law. 
But I continued the conversation. I continued the conversation. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He looked for the opportunity and he started a conversation and it led to Zacchaeus being changed. Which leads to our, like, this is something, guys, that every one of us can do today. You can look for opportunities. You can start a conversation. And you, and, and you could do this right now. Understand no one's a lost cause. That means that they didn't vote like you. They're not a lost cause. That means they don't look like you. They're not a lost cause. That means that they're, they don't smell like you. They're not a lost cause. That's something you could do today. And then the last one, and we're going to hit this real fast, because how we're going to respond is different. James gives us this call to action. He says anyone who, who brings back a wondering person, a person that wanders from the faith, that means there's this, there's this call to action that we should bring back. And the last one is make a difference. And you're, if you're wondering, where have I heard that before? It's because it's on the wall in the foyer, and we say it all the time. Here at C1, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the totality of why we exist. That's it, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone needs a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're far from Jesus, you need a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're close to Jesus, you need to be growing your relationship with Jesus Christ. How we are going to accomplish that here at C1 is we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate him every day of the week. We're going to celebrate him every season, whether we feel like it or not. We're going to celebrate him on Sunday mornings. We're going to celebrate him in life groups. We're going to celebrate him. We're going to live in community. Join a life group. That's where discipleship happens. That's where we bear one another's burdens. That's where we, 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 we grow in relationship. We live in community. That's modeled through the book of Acts. In fact, that's how Jesus grew his church. We're going to live in community. Join a life group. We're going to share our story. Every one of us has a unique story of how they've encountered God. And if you don't have that story yet, I would love to make the introduction. But God wants to give you a story. And your story is going to lead to someone else getting a story with Jesus. So we're going to share our story. We're going to share our testimony of how Jesus wrecked our life and then gave us a new life. And then we're going to make a difference. If you do the first three, you're going to make a difference. And I don't ever want to put God in a box. You can make a difference by sharing your story. You can make a difference by just following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to make a difference. But how we're going to do it corporately is we're going to jump on a team. We have an opportunity today for you to make a difference in the, in the life here at C1 on a Sunday morning. We have an opportunity for you. In fact, guess what? We did not plan this. I thought James was going to go into next week. We didn't coordinate this. God coordinated today. And if you're thinking about, like, maybe I should get on a team. You should get on a team. That's the Holy Spirit. Stay for the meeting. You can make a difference. This is a practical way. And, and you might say, well, how does that, how does that compute? Well, let, let me tell you. When Jesus stepped in and he started a conversation with Zacchaeus, that encounter with Jesus led to Zacchaeus repenting. And it made a difference. And when, then what did Zacchaeus do? He volunteered. Well, how did he volunteer? I didn't see him greeting people at his door. I bet he did in Jewish customs. He was probably greeting people when they walked in. But he volunteered his own wealth. He volunteered his own house. He volunteered even though he got told, kind of. But he volunteered. He stood up. He said, "If I'm going to give half my money to the poor. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. 
he volunteered because he encountered Jesus. He volunteered to give four times as much back. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. But when you encounter Jesus, when you meet Jesus, you can't help but want to serve. It, 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 a a non-serving Christian is oxymoron. It doesn't exist because uh, if, you have a, if you have Jesus in your heart, you want to serve. It's just the overflow. And there, there's a story, and I, I, we're, we're going to wrap this up, but I, I sure, I've shared it with the staff and the board, but there's this hospital that they're a cancer hospital. And they have this motto, and their motto is, I help cure people of cancer. And so the culture there is such, the culture in the hospital with all the employees, it doesn't matter what you do there, if you are mopping the floor every day and someone asks you what you do, you could confidently say, I help cure people of cancer. If you serve and work in the cafeteria at the hospital, I help cure people of cancer. If you're the lead surgeon that goes in and removes tumors, you can say, I help cure people of cancer. It doesn't matter what you do in that hospital. It doesn't matter if you work at the gift shop or you volunteer. They say, what do you do? I help cure people of cancer. Because every area in that hospital works towards the common goal and their mission to cure people of cancer. And that's the culture in which we're trying to cultivate here at C1. And how does that play out, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it more perfectly. That, that example and that little motto, I mean, I know it's just restating it. It's exactly what we should be doing as Christians, but for Jesus and for God. Yeah. Our, um, it's, it's, it's literally the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples. And if we don't do that, we're not fulfilling what God has for us. And like Ryan said, volunteering, I mean, there's a plethora of ways we could do it. It doesn't necessarily even have to be at the church. But just speaking at the church, if you're picking up trash, it, like if you pick, volunteer and pick up trash, if you're greeting, if you're working with kids, if you're doing something that literally nobody ever sees, you're still helping. Because that allows us on Sunday morning to do this. This is also goes this also goes online. You may have affected somebody's life by picking up the trash and making this this day happen 3 years from now. You don't know. And that's crazy and the crazy thing is how God works. What we think we're doing now we're helping people now, but we're also preparing to help people in the future. Yeah. So if if you're if you open the door and you're a smiling face, Guess what? You're helping lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people just need a smile and a hello. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. I do it. Sometimes I, I come in and I'm sad, and there's this lady at work. And, like, it, I, you know, of course, it's going to work. I'm kind of, you're kind of sad anyway, walking the day. You know? I got 12 hours of this. Come on now. There's, well, there's a lady every day. Hello, Nathan. How are you doing today? Yeah. And it, it's, all, it's like an automatic pickup. It makes you want to work there more, right? Maybe, well, maybe I mean, but, but, but if, 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 if it doesn't matter what you do, if, if you're where, whatever you're volunteering, whatever capacity, man, if you're on the board, if, if you're serving AAV, if you're vacuuming, if you're, if you're picking up trash, if you're serving security, if you're helping with kids, whatever it looks like by doing that, you are helping lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. You are, there's not one area here at 
C1 that doesn't push the mission of which we're called to. Sometimes the enemy will say, well, I just do this. No, 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 no. you got to get that out of your head. If you lead a life group, you, um, that's helping lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We have got to understand there is not one insignificant thing here that we do. If we are doing it for the kingdom, we are helping grow the kingdom. We are helping lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything we do here doesn't just affect C1. Our goal isn't just it isn't to be just C1. No. We're here for the community. We're here for the people out there that yeah. aren't in here yet. For the people that are watching online across state lines and across country borders. Yeah. We, this is what we're here for. And the more we and the more we dive into making a difference, it doesn't matter what you think you can do. You can do so much more. God has shown me this all the time, and I know he can show each and every one of us that because we're literally going to make a difference. We're not just doing it for this church house. We're going to be the church. We're going to step out in the community and be the church. We're going to step out in our state, in Columbia, wherever we go and be the church. And the best way to do it, is, and this is just a few examples right here that we've given. I think yeah. it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And guys, here's the thing. We would love to have you. It's not because... This is, the most, this is the most practical way. We literally have a meeting to jump on a team. But it's not because we need anything from you. It's because we understand the blessing of serving. We understand the overflow of serving. Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. And his natural reaction was to serve. And Jesus said, salvation has entered this house today. And... We gave you three very practical things. We, we don't ever want to give you a how-to and not tell you how to do it. Understand, no one's a lost cause. You're not a lost cause. You're not going to meet someone that's ever a lost cause. Look for opportunities. Start a conversation. Make a difference. Jump on a team here. We have a meeting right after service. I would love, I would love, man, if all of you jumped on a team. That would be amazing. Um, but here's the thing. We want all of you. I don't care if you're a first-time guest or not. Man, stay for the meeting. Grab a bottle of water. It's going to be a great day. But the biggest difference you can make, guys, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, that's the biggest difference you can make in your life because God loves you. He's here for you. And how, how does a relationship with Jesus Christ affect me? Well, if you want to get theological, it literally changes who you are. If you want to get uh, destination-wise, you literally go from going to hell, not knowing Jesus, to going to heaven, knowing Jesus. But the reality is we don't get saved because Jesus saves us from hell. We accept salvation because of how much he loves us. God loves you and he gives you a purpose. He has a plan for your life and he cares enough for you. Get this. We say this all the time and I've said it three times in the last minute. God loves you. But God loves you so much that he didn't even die for the certainty that you would choose to accept him. He died for the chance. He died for the chance that you would choose him. That's how much he loves you. He's betting on you. 
So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's as simple as this. You want to make a difference in your life? It's as simple as saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Come be Lord of my life. That's it. And if you're here today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you say that for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Jesus, I want you to come talk to me after service. Because we, 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 we want this to be a launching pad. Not just a one and done, but a launching pad for a life moving forward. So if you're here today, just repeat after me. Father, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come be Lord of my life. Amen. If you said that for the first time or you recommitted your life to Jesus, let me tell you, that's the biggest difference you can ever make in your life. And that's going to overflow to the people all around you just living for Jesus. I love you guys. We have a meeting in 15 minutes in this room if you want to be a part of a team or if you're already on a team. But have a blessed day. I love you.